Zelensky is expected to attend G7 summit, part of new diplomatic tour. Victoria Kim Vivian Narim Victoria Kim Cassandra Vinograd Matthew Pope Big Carlotta Gall President Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine is scheduled to appear at the Group of Seven Summit in Hiroshima, Japan, this weekend, to seek further commitments for more arms and aid from the world's wealthiest democracies. His participation in the summit will follow a visit to Saudi Arabia, where Mr. Zelensky arrived on Friday to join a summit of Arab leaders, his latest stop on a flurry of trips outside of Ukraine to shore up support ahead of a widely anticipated Ukrainian counteroffensive. It was not immediately clear whether Mr. Zelensky would go to Japan in person or if he would attend the G7 events virtually. Several officials told the New York Times that the Ukrainian leader would travel to Japan, but did not say when he would arrive. Details of Mr. Zelensky's travel are typically closely guarded for security reasons. While the head of Ukraine's National Security and Defense Council initially confirmed on Friday morning that the Ukrainian leader would participate in the meeting in person, the council later said in a statement that Mr. Zelensky would take part online. However Mr. Zelensky appears, the leaders gathered in Hiroshima, who include President Biden and his counterparts from Japan, Canada, Britain, France, Germany and Italy, will be talking over the next three days about all dimensions of Russia's war in Ukraine. They will likely discuss sanctions enforcement, whether to provide F-16 fighter jets to Kiev and the possibility of negotiations over an armistice or peace treaty. Alexei Danilov, the head of Ukraine's National Defense Council, announced Mr. Zelensky's trip on national television on Friday following news reports that he would attend. Very important things will be done there, therefore, the physical presence of our president is important in order to defend our interests, Mr. Danilov said. To provide clear proposals and clear arguments regarding the events taking place on the territory of our country. Shortly afterward, the Council's website posted a brief statement saying that Mr. Zelensky would participate in the summit online. Mr. Zelensky's office did not immediately respond to a question about the conflicting information. In the past week, Mr. Zelensky has visited Britain and other European nations. He is willing to travel outside Ukraine in part to demonstrate that he has confidence in the stability of his own government. There have been no known efforts by the Russians to interfere with his travels. If Mr. Zelensky arrives in Hiroshima, he will almost certainly meet one-on-one -on -one with Mr. Biden. The leaders of India, Brazil and other nations that have been reluctant to support Ukraine are also at the meeting, as observers, and Mr. Zelensky's presence could make it more difficult for them to maintain that stance, several officials said. News of Mr. Zelensky's expected trip to Japan was reported earlier by the Financial Times and other news outlets. The Ukrainian and Japanese news media had previously suggested that he would join the G7 summit virtually. With its impending counteroffensive against Russian forces, Ukraine hopes to turn the tide of a conflict that in recent months has settled into a grinding, draining battle with little movement. Mr. Zelensky will be making his plea against the backdrop of a city that stands as a stark reminder of the catastrophic costs of war. We have a task to maintain the momentum of international support and communication for Ukraine, Mr. Zelensky said in his nightly address on Thursday. I am confident that we will accomplish this task. The State of the War The Battle for Bakhmut
Ukraine's recent advances have been small, and Moscow's troops still hold most of the eastern city, but Ukrainian soldiers say they see a meaningful shift in momentum. Allies spar over F-16s European plans to help Ukraine obtain F-16 fighter jets have put the United States and some of its closest allies at odds again over what weapons the West should send Kiev. Putin's military setbacks Dwindling resources and disunity in Russia's ranks are hindering President Vladimir Putin's 15-month war and Ukraine's counteroffensive hasn't even started in earnest. Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, President Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine arrived in Saudi Arabia on Friday to join a summit of Arab leaders, including the heads of wealthy Gulf states that have already provided substantial aid to Ukraine. Mr. Zelensky said he had landed in Saudi Arabia and will meet with the kingdom's leader, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, and others. He wrote on Twitter that his trip aimed to enhance bilateral relations and Ukraine's ties with the Arab world. Saudi Arabia invited Mr. Zelensky to participate in the Arab League summit in the Saudi city of Jeddah. Mr. Zelensky is also expected to join the Group of Seven summit in Hiroshima, Japan, this weekend, either virtually or in person, as he tries to win commitments for continued arms and aid from the world's wealthiest democracies. Key states in the Arab world have walked a fine line between Ukraine and Russia during the war. Oil-rich Saudi Arabia, in particular, has tried to position itself as a mediator and does not want to be seen as taking sides. Saudi Arabia pledged $400 million in aid to Ukraine earlier this year. The United Arab Emirates, which maintains a close relationship with President Vladimir V. Putin of Russia, has also pledged more than $100 million in aid for Ukraine. A key focus of the United States and the West has been trying to stop Russia from finding new supplies of weaponry. U.S. and NATO officials have hindered Russia's domestic manufacturing with sanctions and export controls and put diplomatic pressure on countries to reject Russian requests for arms. Washington appears to have succeeded in this regard with Egypt, another key player in the Arab world. While U.S. officials were quietly pressing Cairo to supply artillery shells to Ukraine, U.S. intelligence agencies gathered information, first, reported by the Washington Post, that Egyptian officials might also supply weaponry to Russia. After a diplomatic push by the United States and Britain, the Egyptians appeared to support the Americans. According to a subsequent intelligence report, President Abdel Fattah el-Sisi of Egypt rejected the idea of supplying the Russian side. U.S. officials said a production contract has been agreed with Egyptian state-owned arms makers to produce artillery shells for the United States and American contractors, who, in turn, will send them to Ukraine. Leaders of the world's wealthiest nations meeting in Japan for the Group of Seven Summit are poised to unveil a slew of new sanctions and export controls to further clamp down on Russia's ability to fund its war in Ukraine, officials said. Britain on Friday said it was implementing a ban on Russian diamonds, copper, aluminum and nickel. Australia also said on Friday it was imposing new financial sanctions targeting 21 entities and three individuals, including Russia's largest gold company, petroleum and steel companies and defense entities. A day earlier, a U.S. official had said the Biden administration would be rolling out a substantial package of restrictions, including cutting off 70 entities from American exports and adding more than 300 individuals and entities to its sanctions list. 
The fresh round of sanctions show the U.S. commitment to continue tightening the screws on Russia, the official said. All other G7 nations will each announce new and heightened sanctions, the official said, without providing details. With many of Russia's other revenue streams squeezed by previous rounds of sanctions, officials have honed in on diamonds as a lucrative trade still providing Moscow with funding for its war. Russia is the world's largest supplier of small diamonds, exporting more than $4.5 billion in 2021, making the gem its top non-energy export by value. Last year's meeting of the group of seven leaders in June led to an agreement to impose a price cap on Russian oil, which has forced Russia to sell its oil for less than other major producers and suppressed its revenues. Russia unleashed another widespread missile and drone attack overnight on cities across Ukraine, including targeting the capital, Kiev, for the tenth time this month, Ukrainian officials said on Friday. At least three cruise missiles and six attack drones managed to evade air defenses, according to Ukraine's Air Force. There was no immediate information on casualties or what was hit. The Air Force said in a statement that three cruise missiles and 16 Iranian-made Shahid-136 drones had been intercepted, with local officials in Lviv saying that five of those were over their region in western Ukraine. Air raid alarms also punctuated the night in the capital, Kiev, for the second time in 24 hours. The attack drones came in several waves with short intervals in between, according to the city's military administration, which said all had been shot down. No strikes on Kiev were allowed. It wrote, in a statement, on the Telegram messaging app. The assault came a day after Ukrainian air defenses shot down dozens of Russian missiles in the skies above Kiev, casting flaming debris over the capital. Later on Thursday, an explosion derailed a Russian freight train in Crimea, the latest in a series of blasts in Russian-occupied territory. The missile attacks and the explosion in Crimea come as both Russia and Ukraine are preparing for a widely expected Ukrainian counteroffensive aiming to retake occupied land. In anticipation of that campaign, Russia has fired volley after volley of long-range missiles apparently in an effort to tie up Ukraine's air defenses away from the front lines. And recent blasts in Crimea fit a pattern of strikes on Russian railways, supply lines, fuel depots and ammunition stores that analysts say are part of a Ukrainian campaign to handicap Russia's war machine and sow instability ahead of the offensive. Kiev, after months of relative calm, has been targeted in what one Ukrainian official called an unprecedented string of attacks in recent weeks, testing the limits of the capital's air defenses. U.S. officials said earlier this week that a Patriot missile system defending the city from ballistic missiles had been damaged in a Russian barrage of hypersonic Kinsel missiles, although U.S. officials said the system remained operational. Securing additional air defense systems is among the Priorities for this week, next week and for the near future, President Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine said in his overnight address. The Ukrainian leader is expected to travel to the Group of Seven summit in Japan this weekend, the latest in a string of recent international trips aimed at securing more arms and aid. Andrew E. Kramer and Victoria Kim contributed reporting. The third derailment this month of a Russian train behind the front lines in the war in Ukraine suggests that a new sphere of operations may have opened ahead of a planned counteroffensive by the Ukrainians.
Russia has made extensive use of the rail network during its full-scale invasion, ferrying troops, weaponry and supplies into battle as well as evacuating wounded soldiers. In response, Ukraine has found ways to target the rail system either through sabotage or drone or missile strikes. But military experts caution that it is too early to assess the impact of the attacks. Whether the attacks will reach sufficient effect to contest Russian operations, we have yet to see, said Matthew Beleg, a Russia expert and consulting fellow for Chatham House, a research group based in London. It's all about whether it starts to have a systemic effect. Ruslan Leviev, a Russian military analyst with the Conflict Intelligence Team, an independent group that analyzes open-source intelligence, said that the three rail attacks would do almost nothing to compromise Moscow's military logistics. This is more of a gain in a moral sense, Mr. Leviev said. In the spirit of look, we can blow up targets deep in Russian territory. In the latest apparent attack early Thursday, an explosion knocked a freight train loaded with grain off the tracks in the Crimean region, a logistical hub for Russia. Earlier in May, two trains were derailed in Russia's Bryansk region, which borders northeastern Ukraine. There were no injuries in the Crimean derailment, said Sergei Aksionov, Crimea's Russian-installed governor, in a post on the Telegram messaging app. He later said that repairs had been conducted and the lines would reopen on Friday. Ukraine has remained coy about the causes of explosions and attacks on infrastructure in Russia or occupied territory, but a senior Ukrainian official offered a rationale on Thursday for strikes on the rail network. On those tracks in particular, weapons, ammunition, armored vehicles and other means used for the war of aggression against Ukraine are transported, Andriy Yusov, a spokesman for Ukraine's military intelligence agency, said on Ukrainian television. When Moscow was building up its forces on the Ukrainian border in 2021, analysts tracked public railroad databases to monitor the buildup until the authorities restricted access. Indeed, the growth of the rail network was driven by the army's needs, according to Mr. Beleg, who described rail as the central nervous system of the military. Russia has since 2018 been able to service its military in Crimea, which it illegally annexed in 2014 through a rail and road bridge that connects the region to Russia. An explosion that damaged the bridge last October forced Moscow to seek alternative routes. Ivan Fedorov, the exiled governor of the southern Ukrainian city of Melitopol, said in an interview that only 30% of the supplies that passed through the city's railway now came from Crimea. Russia has made use of a dedicated railway corps of around 25,000 soldiers to repair damaged tracks, signals or stations, said Emily Ferris, a research fellow and Russia expert at the Royal United Services Institute in London. She said that the system had, so far at least, proved resilient. Blowing up a bit of track with a drone might cause a bit of damage, but it won't be catastrophic, Ms. Ferris said. Still, the exposed infrastructure has proved to be a prime target for saboteurs. Mediazona, a Russian independent news outlet, last month, published a tally of 66 people, most of them Russian citizens in their teens or early 20s, who had been detained in 21 Russian regions since last fall on suspicion of railway sabotage. The chief of Ukraine's Supreme Court was formally arrested Thursday, as prosecutors indicated in a second day of hearings that a high-level corruption case was expanding to include a wider circle of judges. 
Prosecutors also accused a lawyer of acting as an intermediary in paying a bribe to the chief justice and said that at least three other judges of the court had been found holding thousands of dollars in currency marked by investigators. The chief justice, Sevalod Knyazov, was apprehended just after midnight Tuesday by officers of the National Anti-Corruption Bureau of Ukraine, who searched his home and office in simultaneous raids and said they found large sums of U.S. currency. He was ordered to be detained for 60 days, with bail set at $2.9 million, the Specialized Anti-Corruption Prosecutor's Office said late Thursday. Mr. Knyazov has been charged with graft in a public office and accused of accepting a bribe of $1.8 million to influence a case in favor of a Ukrainian oligarch, Kostyantin Zavago. A prosecutor said Mr. Knyazov had sent a message to the lawyer in early May to split the money into at least 14 separate bags and later sent a message saying he had passed the money to other judges. The anti-corruption court's prosecutor, Oleksandr Amolchenko, told the court that officers raided Mr. Knyazov's home half an hour after a second tranche was handed over. Ola Horesky, the lawyer accused of acting for the oligarch, was apprehended with Mr. Knyazov on Tuesday. He was detained for 60 days by the court, the special anti-corruption prosecutor said in a statement. The case has shocked and dismayed members of Ukraine's judiciary. In interviews, two Supreme Court judges lamented the damage to the reputation of the court and the judiciary. They said they worked through the night and most of Tuesday to prepare a ballot in which 140 of the 142 Supreme Court judges voted to remove Mr. Knyazov from his post. The two judges spoke on condition of anonymity because of their position as members of the court.